0: Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador.
1: A lot of these guys are really getting their baptism in the National Football League. And uh, Alex Leatherwood got a real baptism yesterday on short notice. Um, so it's going to be painful at times. We got to play better. We will play better. But Richie's one of the premier guards in football. And not only that, he's a guy that was selected captain. Our guys look up to him. And he brings a sense of grit and toughness that uh, every team likes. So uh, hopefully we'll get him back soon. And in the meantime, it'll be a great opportunity for Simpson, a great opportunity
0: for Leatherwood to continue to improve their skills. A great opportunity, no doubt. But also one that is going to have – it's going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be ugly at moments, like John Gruden just said. And yesterday certainly was one of those uglier moments. And there's been a bunch of them to start this season. We're talking about the offensive line. We're talking about the possibility uh, of Richie Incognito coming back at some point. Doesn't look like that's going to be until the earliest, anyway, after the bye week, which would uh, potentially put Richie Incognito uh, on the field on November 7th against the New York Giants. And wouldn't that be a welcome sight? Uh, For the Las Vegas Raiders. But you know what? That's a month away. The Raiders need to find answers right now. And certainly yesterday. In that performance against the Chicago Bears. Five of 14 on third downs. One of three on fourth downs. A slew of drop passes. Derek Carr playing underseas. No ability to run the ball. No ability uh, to get some short yarders. Key situations. A yard or two here or there to keep drives going. They just can't do it right now. And for my money, from where I sit, it all rests along the offensive line. You can talk about the defense not coming up with a start to stop the, to start the game. You could talk about Derek Carr. You could talk about some of the drops. You can't have the drops. Not not when you have to be per- playing perfect football all the time. But the Raiders' issues right now start along the offensive line until they can come up with some answers in that area to be able to execute in short yardage situations, to be able to allow Derek Carr to operate uh, under less duress than he has been in the pocket, to let plays un- you know, uh, be able to, to uh, unfold downfield when he wants to take shots downfield the time that's necessary for that. Until that gets squared away, it's going to be a struggle for the Raiders. We've seen it now pretty much for five weeks. They were able to overcome it to win three games, and good on them for that. But as the last two weeks showed against the Los Angeles Chargers, against the Chicago Bears, it's going to be tough sledding, trying to overcome an offensive line that simply is not playing well right now. You are in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Nation, Radio 920 AM on a Monday. I'm fired up for a lot of different reasons, uh, but as Derek Carr pointed out yesterday, that was, uh, that's not going to get it done. What the Raiders put out there yesterday is not going to get it done. And we could talk all about the Chicago Bears invading Allegiant Stadium. Hey, you know what? That's going to happen. I was in Los Angeles for years. Las Vegas is the new toy on the NFL calendar. It's the new outpost. It's something new and sexy and cool, and fans want to come here and see what it's all about. And a lot of those fans are going to be fans from other cities. I saw it firsthand with the Rams and the Chargers, but the Rams are the team that I covered. There are always a bunch of fans from other teams at the Coliseum, and there will be at SoFi Stadium. Count on it. You know what the key to that is? I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Don't let the pendulum swing to those fans. I don't care how many fans of the other team is in your house. You can neutralize it by not letting them get the pendulum and get the hammer. And that's exactly what the Raiders allowed to happen yesterday at their house. Q brought up a great point. There were more Raider fans there last night, yesterday, than Chicago Bear fans. I don't care how orange it looked on television. I was looking at it. It wasn't 50-50. It was a good 60-40, maybe even 65-45. It just looked worse because, A, they're wearing orange, so it stands out. And, B, after a while, their fans took over because their fans had something to root about. Their fans had something to get fired up about. Meanwhile, Raider fans were like, what is going on? What do you want me to cheer for here? Five of 14 on third downs, drop passes, one of three on fourth downs. I'm not going to be cheering for that. It's on the Raiders to give their fans something to cheer about so that the pendulum does not swing over to whoever's fans are in Allegiant Stadium. And Mark, my word, you're going to see that this year, especially this year. This is the first time Las Vegas is open to fans. And it's not just Raider fans. Every The Kansas City Chiefs, you don't think that their fans in Kansas City or wherever they are, wherever they live, aren't already looking, haven't already, I should say, looked at the schedule and said, oh, wow i got to get out to Las Vegas to see a game. I've already seen a game in Green Bay. I've seen it in Cleveland. I've seen it in Seattle. I've been in New Orleans. I've been in New York. I've been here, there, everywhere. I've never been to Las Vegas to see a football game. I'm going out to Las Vegas to see a football game. I don't care what I have to pay to get my tickets. And rest assured, there's a whole bunch of Raider fans that are going, huh, I could pay for my tickets for next year by maybe unloading a game or two this year. You can't blame Raider fans or any fans in the NFL for maybe doing that time to time. I don't care how much you try to um, dishonor them or how much you try to uh, shame them out of that. Everything is an investment. Allegiant Stadium was an investment by the city of Las Vegas, by the state of Nevada. And even though there were a lot of Chicago Bears fans there yesterday, I can guarantee you right now, The city of Las Vegas, the state of Nevada is like, this is exactly what we wanted. Because guess what? Those Bear fans that came in from Chicago, where do you think they're staying? On the side of the street? No, they're staying at hotels. They're eating at the local restaurants. They're drinking at the local bars. That's how this stadium gets paid for. Don't forget. That's what Las Vegas wanted to have happen. Would it be better if it was all Raider fans? Of course, if you're a Raider fan. And of course, if you're the Raiders. But that's not going to happen. I can guarantee it. What needs to happen in order for that to be a real issue, the Raiders got to play better football, flat out, straight out. Don't blame the fans for trying to get a return on their investment and help pay for the tickets next year. Don't blame those fans for that. Don't blame the fans for what happened yesterday at Allegiant Stadium. That's on the Raiders. The Raiders could have shut those fans up and told the Chicago Bear fans, hey, enjoy the game, enjoy our beautiful new stadium, enjoy the city, go out get yourself a nice dinner. Hopefully you win at the roulette table. Enjoy your stay in Las Vegas. Meanwhile, we're going to kick your team's butt right now. Hope you had a great weekend and hope you feel that loss on your way back to Chicago. That's on the Raiders. Don't blame the fans for any of that nonsense. Come on.
2: Well, to speak to about the um, the stadium issues with the opposing fans where you say, like, oh, the PSL tickets. Diehard Raider fans are mad because some of them were not able to buy those PSL tickets. Or when you say that you can sell, they sell their PSL tickets. It's an investment. But when you're a fan of a team, you're not looking at it as Johnny in Vegas who has that extra dough to spend on a PSL. I know people who have PSLs, and it's just like, yeah, I am going to spend it to make that investment. It's like good for you. The people who can afford to go to NFL games, it's not the rich get richer because everyone who got a PSL is not some millionaire. But it is. Oh, so the people who can't afford it, or you, you, you can. Welcome just to steal. the real world. Okay, it's the real world, but it is not fair. But to don't the blame Raider the fans. fans.
0: What do you mean it's not, ra- it's not fair to Raider fans?
2: If they, you're the guy that, tell you, like as we as we have this passionate fan base... I have no problem day. with any fan that yeah, sells uh, hey, their tickets uh, well, some, from well, the time to time. The Raider fans do. Okay, well, well that's, that's fine. Then come the to the games.
0: They can't. They, what, they can't buy they a can't ticket? They can't them. buy one of those tickets? Oh, no, because okay, they can't afford but I mean, it. And they're I, selling I get them it, to the opposing life. fans. And you say it's not that a deal. I want to live in a penthouse suite in Manhattan. Guess what? I can't afford that. We
2: all know that. But you say it's 60-40. You just, as a fan of a team, even the players of a team, you don't want to have to come in your home stadium and have to use then a shut them count.
0: That's on you, the player. Shut those fans up okay, by yeah, we playing well we could, enough to negate them. And the that's way you want to use the
2: penthouse mansion it, um, scenario, and every player could say, "Yeah, we would want to win every game." You of know, we're not going to win every game. Well, again, oh, welcome to the real world. Up. Yeah, that's not so being the real world. Well, who are you blaming? Yes, I am saying that there. Who were, are you blaming? There was, there's no blame. I'm blaming. Never mind. We're not going to go down. No, that no. Road. I'm just. I'm, I'm asking you. What like, mean? who are you mad at? Yeah, the players lost the game, but I'm giving you the fan perspective from the stadium. I get it. I get it. But, but. And then the city of Las Vegas. I know that we as Las Vegans, we are not happy that everyone is coming in. Oh, the, it's not that. Wait a
0: minute. No, we're not. As 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 a as a as somebody that lives in Las Vegas yes. that understands what Las Vegas is. It's yes. a tourist city. You're not happy when people come to town to spend money in uh, in the casinos and eat eat at the restaurants, which raise, which which drives up tax revenue, which theoretically should be able to help schools, services, libraries. All that money goes into that pot.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things where if if an if was a spliff. We'd all get high, but it's what? not. Excuse me there. Maybe you don't understand that reference, but it's one of those. It's In theory, it's not working out practically as we all think it does in theory.
0: I don't know, because when I lived in Los Angeles, which was a city there where people wanted to come, I was proud of that. It made me feel good because I lived in a place that, I, that a lot of people would love to come visit and do come visit. That's something that you take pride in. It's a compliment more than anything. There's there's certain cities, Cleveland, you know, Indianapolis, there's certain places that eh, Detroit that fans don't really want to go to. We just happen to be in a city that people enjoy coming to. And that's going to create a situation, especially this first year and especially for teams that come here for the first time. Obviously, the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Broncos, they're going to come here every single year. But teams like the Bears, it might be every four years or longer before they're ever back here again. So there's destination cities on the NFL schedule, on the NFL calendar, that fans just want to experience. And I think that that's a great thing. I I, I love it. Um, what I'm saying more than anything else, everyone's kind of complaining about it, but the key to it is you're always going to have fans from other teams at Allegiant Stadium, just like you do at Dodger games when the Mets come to town or the Cardinals come to town or the Brewers come to town, just like you do for the Rams when the Washington football team comes to town or the Bears come to town or the Browns come to town. Those are cities and markets where people liked to go to. You're always going to have fans from other teams there. The key to it all is you have to have a better team on the field that negates them and doesn't let them become a factor. Had the Raiders handled their business yesterday, it would have been a bunch of orange, but a bunch of quiet orange. The Raiders couldn't handle their business and allowed them and gave those fans a voice. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Matt is in St. Louis. How you doing, Matt? Hey, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good, Ben. How are you? Doing good, my man. I remember when I talked to you before the season started that one of my big concerns was the offensive line. And, man,
1: sometimes there's nothing worse than being right. And I'm not seeing, like, the uh, the Calvary coming in on the horizon. We're going to, to trust on um, Coach Cable to be able to coach these guys up because there's nothing else out there. And I'm willing to maybe give Weatherwood another chance there at right guard. He only had one week to prepare for it. I know he played, <clears throat> played right guard at Alabama. But this is
3: his first week doing it in the pros. Let's give him another chance and, and hopefully maybe another week of practice and some more coaching he'll be better at it. But uh the, the thing that concerned me the most yesterday
1: was that offense. I saw no fight in that offense yesterday. The defense did everything it could. I mean, what, what do we say last year? If this defense was the middle of the road, this Ra- or this Raiders team. Would be playoff bound. Now, well, now the defense is middle of the road, and now the offense sucks.
3: <laughs> yeah. So
0: the offense has got to step back up, and they got to they got to play with a little more passion, a little more fight. No question about it. Um, but as, and and I appreciate the call, Matt. Um, but you know, as it relates to the offensive line, and I'm I'm not trying to make excuses, but there are valid explanations for why this thing is unfolding the way it is. And losing the two starting guards right off the bat didn't help. Those were the veteran anchors that the Raiders needed to have around um, Andre James and in between Andre James and Alex Leatherwood. That was the plan and the vision. I'm not saying it would have been perfect. There's no way you lose a Rodney Hudson and you lose a Gabe Jackson and not feel it. But from the Raiders' perspective, it was going to be something that they were going to be able to grow with and get past and get better as the year went on provided everybody stays healthy. Now, granted, you can't always account for that. And, um, you know, you, you don't go into a season just assuming that there aren't going to be uh, any injuries. And the Raiders didn't. You know, they had John Simpson and, you know, some others uh, that they felt good about in terms of the depth. But when depth has to be dipped into in a massive way from right off the bat, uh, it makes things difficult. So what was, an uh, you know, a, a, an offensive line that was... Being rebuilt and retooled, especially with a bunch of young players or a couple of key young players, surrounding them with veterans was what they felt would kind of soften the blow a little bit and get this offensive line headed in the right direction so that at some point it rounded into a quality offensive line. It's But – you know, the the it was like sitting in a chair and you cut the legs off the chair right off the bat. All of a sudden, now you're trying to rebuild the chair on the fly, and it's really difficult to do. So uh, Alex Leatherwood's going to get another shot at right guard. I think that's going to be the plan for the foreseeable future um, with Brandon Parker being the right tackle. Matt makes a good point. I mean, that that was – it happened in two practices, and the Wednesday practice, if I recall – was just guys in shorts, and it was more of a above the shoulders type of a practice. It wasn't a, a you know a heavy day of work because remember the Raiders played on Monday night, so that shortened the whole process as well. So um, you know it's that's going to take time, and and I, you know I hate to sit here and you know keep preaching patience and patience, but really that's the only thing you've got going for you right now. There's not help out there that I can see. And certainly not on the free agent market. Certainly not uh, out on the open street market. It's, it's who and wh- how can you guarantee that it's going to be any better? And the fact that nobody that you bring in, uh, you know, will have had time like OTAs and training camp and practices uh, to really, you know, establish any semblance of, of cohesion with their fellow players. It's tough to do. Uh, the offense. This isn't like going to get. You know, a wide receiver or a running back, you know, offensive line, that is a unit like no other. It is a five player unit, and they all have to be thinking on the same page, they all have to be on the same page. We haven't seen that. There is a, a you've you've all seen the clip, I'm sure by now, of the of, of the offensive line all kind of blocking each other and bl- nobody blocks anybody from the from the Chicago Bears. That's kind of what it looks like right now at times. And a lot of that is because you've got new players playing new positions. You've got young players uh, that are that are just kind of getting their career started. Uh, there's just a lack of chemistry and a lack of cohesion. But expecting anything to come via the trade or free agency, I think is being pre- Presumptuous and naive. It's not going to happen that way. It has to happen from within. And getting that in order is just going to take time. That's the facts of the matter. Back out to the Raider Nation Listener Line. Raider 27 is in the house. How you doing, Raider 27?
3: Okay, Benny. So um, I was at the ga- <coughs> I'm sorry, man. I still can't really talk. So
0: All good, brother. We're here for you. With
3: me? <laughs> I was at the game. And it was my first Raider game in that. Uh, stadium i got a few notes i'd like to, uh, observations i'd like to give you guys go for it in the first place um there are raider fans from everywhere coming to raider holy land there i met raiders from probably five or six other states they're coming from la they're coming from oakland they're coming from south carolina they're coming from pennsylvania they're coming from everywhere to go to raider mecca we standing out by the medallion and looking at the bricks, at the uh, uh, honor bricks, and just like we're everybody's almost in tears. It's like we got our own home. We've got our own home. And then you go inside and you see how magnificent and beautiful that stadium is, and you're like, this is awesome. And then they flip the coin and things went kind of downhill from there. <laughs> but, you know, um, the team, everything – goes off the offensive line and our offensive line is struggling mildly now I'm not saying they're gonna struggle all year and you know Benny I'm the most positive Raider fan probably that calls in but man this is not a playoff team on their best day they I thought they would go 10 and seven and maybe sneak in the playoffs and I still think that's a possibility but but uh, they're they're definitely not going deep in the playoffs they just don't have the depth They just don't have, they're just not there yet. They need to do something. I know we needed to get a defense, and we had to sacrifice the offensive line to do it, and maybe we forgot that the offensive line is what drives the whole team. So, I don't know. I think it'll be okay in the end, but for right now, it's really tough. You know, the thing is, to remember, though, is it's not who you play, it's when you play them. The Bears might be on their best four or five game streak of the whole season, and we caught them when they're red hot. And the Bears played a really good game yesterday, and the Raiders—I mean, we we could have easily won that game. Well, there they you go. I want—I need you to stop.
0: I need you to stop real quick. Uh, and and you know, uh, thanks for the call. We've got a bunch of calls, but listen to what I'm about ready to say. You just hit the nail on the head. You could have won the game. It was, I mean, honestly, a couple of catches here or there that were drops that could have changed the entire complexion of the game. I completely disagree with you, Raider27, and you know I love you. I absolutely do think that this team can make the playoffs. I, and, I, and I do think that in time this offensive line is going to get settled down uh, and get better and become more of an asset rather than the liability it is right now. But even with that offensive line, being as bad as it's been, and there's no sugarcoating it. It's been bad. They were on the 30-yard line getting ready to tie it up against the Chargers last week in the fourth quarter, and, you know, disaster struck. But they were that close to tying that game up and changing the entire complexion of that game. Great team, the Chargers, if you haven't noticed. The Raiders were that close, even with their issues. Yesterday, I still think the Raiders are the better team than the Chicago Bears, flat out. I can't. I still am trying to wrap my head around the drop balls that we saw. Uncharacteristic mistakes. That if you eliminate those, which that's not a talent issue. It was some sort of a lack of focus, maybe some concentration, whatever. But if those plays are made rather than not as they weren't, that's a different football game. The Raiders should have won that game in spite of it all. They're the better team. They shot themselves in the foot. You can't have 10 penalties. You can't have, like, multiple holding calls on the same play multiple times. I've never seen it happen twice in a game. Very rarely once in a game. Twice in a game? You can't have the kind of penalties that they had. You can't have running into the or, – or, or, or you know, I, knew, I know in, in yesteryear's NFL – What unique Ngakwe did yesterday would not have been a penalty, and I know that's frustrating. I get it, but you got to understand the rule book too. You got to understand where the game is right now and not push it. It's a key play right there. You eliminate that, you eliminate Max Crosby, and I know on Max Crosby's, it wasn't his fault, but you almost have to call it when an elbow hits somebody in the in the basically the face, I guess, of, of Justin Fields. You take that – you just play a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more focused without the drop balls. And you're talking about a victory yesterday. That's how close they are. This is not a team that's so far away. Oh, no. Can't beat anybody. Oh, we're years away. That's not the case. They're their own worst enemy right now. And I sit here and literally believe – that if they can just clean it up just a little bit more, they'll be okay. They're going to be okay. In fact, I think they're going to bounce back this week in Denver. But they just have to play. It, w- with an offensive line that's struggling right now, it puts more of a premium on playing flawless football everywhere else. So you can't have the drop passes. Not now you can't. Not with that offensive line playing the way it is. You got to help the offensive line a little bit. You can't have those penalties. And I know a lot of the offensive linemen were you know, uh, that were guilty of those penalties, but they got to clean that up. If you're not going to be able to block somebody successfully, at least don't compound the problem by getting 15-yard penalties called on you to ruin big plays, including a touchdown. Do we have time to go back out to the, the the listener line here, Devon? Yeah, we can get a call on real quick. All right, we're going to go to Steven. Uh, Steven wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Steven.
4: Hey, Vinny, how are you today? You mean to tell me, to borrow from Rick Pitino, that Gene Upshaw, Archell, and Dave Dalby aren't walking through that door?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's going to have I, to be wanna, Andre James and, and Alex Leatherwood and those guys. That's who has to right. you know, push this thing forward.
4: They have to grow. Give them, give them a break. I mean, they're human beings. Everybody has a bad day. I have a bad day at work. You have a bad day. We're not always at our best. They'll be fine, I think. The other thing is, I'd like to say, as a guy that lives in New Orleans, and you and I spoke about how important it was to have that symbiotic relationship between Gruden and Carr, is that I go to away games. I live in New Orleans. The Saints come to New Orleans. The Raider Nation takes over the Dome. You know why? Because people that have season tickets in New Orleans sell their tickets. It's just part of the business, guys. Get over it. If you want to make the visitors shut up, play better. Exactly. It's just that simple. You said it. Because, you know, as a guy that travels out of time game, I've been to Cleveland, I've been to Baltimore. That's right. I've been to Kansas City, I've been to Denver. You know what's the most fun in the world? Not only winning the game, but wearing your jersey the next day and sticking your chest out proudly.
0: Exactly.
4: So it's up for us to make it a home field advantage, take care of business at home. People will still come, though, because it's a great city. And if you live in the Northeast... And it's December. You look at the calendar, and go, oh yeah, Vegas, baby, we gotta go. We gotta get out of this cold.
0: No question so about it. That's all I
4: have to say. Thank you for everything you do, and calm down, Red Nation. Things happen. Young players have to grow. We'll be all right. Thank that, you.
0: Thank you, Stephen, especially for pointing out that you want the fans not to make noise in your stadium. Shut them up by playing better. Jeez. It just, it just. Oh, the fan. I I don't care if the fans, you know, uh, want to try to make their money back on a game or two to help pay for next year's tickets. These are expensive tickets. It's an investment. It's not ideal, but it happens everywhere. Wake up! This is the reality of being in an NFL team. We're gonna go out to the oil. My guy Q Myers is holding it down, and I'm sure there's some, uh, some, some, some Raider fans that are a little miserable right now. We get it, but we're here for them. But we also want to point out, like, hey, get your head up, move forward. The answers are within those walls. This is not a bad football team. They just need to clean it up a little bit. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bunsen-Yar. I'm all fired up today. Lots of excuses. Uh, there's no excuses. There's no excusing how the Raiders played yesterday. They played horribly. And they didn't deserve to win that game against a team I think they're better than, frankly. And that's that's what's so disappointing if you're a Raider fan, is you don't want to lose the games that you should win. I don't know what was up. We can, we can speculate that maybe there was a little bit of... Um, you know, uh, focus issues, we all know what happened on Friday. Could that have played into it? Hey, I'm not in everybody's head. That's what John Gruden said yesterday. I can't speak for everybody. But it sure looked weird to me that a bunch of guys were dropping footballs. The guys were running into each other on the offensive line. Um, so it just felt like there was just a little bit of lack of focus in that game, and you cannot have that. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila and Bahado Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of mine and ours, the shows, Raider Nation Radio, Raider fans, Raider Nation. You guys know Ted Wynn from The Athletic. You can follow him at FB underscore film analysis. And Ted, my brother, I need you to explain what the heck is going on with this offensive line, man. What is going on with the Raiders offensive line?
3: Yeah, there's,
1: there's a lot of things going on with this offensive line, and they're not good. So, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about it before. It's just they have a lot of moving pieces. They thought that Andre James could be uh, – I, I don't know if they felt like he could be an upgrade over Rodney Hudson, but they at least thought he could be a, a cheaper option that could play at a above-average level, and he played below average. Um, he just ends up on the floor way too much. And we know what happened with the reshuffling with, on the right side with Brandon Parker at right tackle and Alex Leatherwood at left tackle, left guard. Um, and, you know, when you make that type of move, it's going to take some time for Leatherwood to get used to a new position, even though he did play in college. But you're, you're in the NFL now. Things are, are different. So it takes a, a bit of an acclimation period. And then, you know, you, you add all that, and then you go against a Bears defense that's actually pretty good. I mean, this team... The Bears aren't a great team, but I think one of the better parts of their team is their defense, especially their defensive line with Cleo Mack and Mario, uh, Mario Edwards, Jr. Um, And it it was just a really bad game for this offensive line in in the run game and in the, in the pass game. And um, I just thought what they were doing in the beginning of the season was just, you know, you, you can't live on a quarterback being pressured that much and you can't live with the quarterback passing that much and, No running game, and it just kind of caught up to the Raiders against the Bears.
0: Right, because it wasn't sustainable, and we all knew it, but uh, I guess the general uh, assumption was that this offensive line was going to get better as the year went on. Um, In some ways, the opposite has happened. But let's work our way backwards first. All right, Uh, tell me and explain to me and everybody else uh, what the damage was done when Denzel Good and Richie Incognito uh, were basically lost for—I mean, as as up to this point, the entire season, uh, except for one half of the season opener by Denzel Good. We know that they traded Rodney Hudson. We know that they traded uh, Gabe Jackson. But it sounds like they were counting on those two veterans playing a big role around Andre James and in between James and Alex Leatherwood. What kind of an impact truly has did th- 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 those two injuries have?
1: Was huge I mean with good you have an above average starter who could fill in at different positions if needed so you know you know it at this point if leatherwood was struggling then you could have moved good to right tackle and he actually has played well at right tackle and you could you know move leatherwood inside where presumably he will get better with some time and with incognito you know you're losing a um, all pro type of talent but I mean the thing with incognito is he hasn't been healthy and he's up there in age um so you know you might you might have uh, a fair argument for criticizing the Raiders for counting on uh, a veteran that has been banged up with um all those years under his belt so yeah you're losing an all pro and you're losing an above average starter um you know with a line that has some really young pieces
0: all right so we we have at least one game of film uh, of, of Alex Leatherwood and, and Brandon Parker. Uh, let's start with Alex, and I know you know uh, I, I mentioned the uh, the film clip that you put out there uh, where guys were just running around trying to figure out who to block and really ended up not blocking anybody. Uh, some of them were blocking themselves for crying out loud. Uh, but let's start with Alex Leatherwood. I thought he had some good moments yesterday. I've, I've, I've felt like he's had some good moments. Throughout the season, but there's been far too many not so good moments. But yesterday specifically, um, how do you feel uh, he, he played? Given everything, the circumstances of, of, of switching that position uh, midweek last week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was terrible. He was definitely below average. Um, I, you know, and he's getting used to new techniques too. I think with tackle, you're setting deeper, and with guard, you're not setting as deep. Um, and you also have to think about the communication that goes on between uh, a guard and tackle, and that takes some time to get used to. And we saw that come into f- fruition when um uh, gave up the, the fact to Cleo Mac, where Mac was on a stunt, and he went inside of Parker. And when he went inside of Parker, uh, you know, Parker should have gotten a, a hand on him at least, kind of flattened him out a little bit. And then Leatherwood should have picked up uh, Mac, but instead Mac just went straight through on a stunt. Uh, so there, there's... You know, overall, I just thought he played below average. Like you said, there were some good moments. Um, I thought they came out of the game blocking a little bit better against a run. Uh, But, yeah, it's just going to take some time to get used to some new techniques and the communication between a guard and tackle.
0: We're talking to Ted Wynn, our good friend from The Athletic. You can follow him at FB underscore film analysis. All right, to the right of Alex Leatherwood, uh, his old position, uh, all of four games uh, anyway in the NFL, uh, Brandon Parker. um, And, you know, Brandon's had chances. These, since 2018, I believe, he was drafted uh, in, in the third round at a North Carolina A&T. He's never been able to seize the moment. He's never been able to take advantage of opportunities that's been uh, given him uh, in starting uh, you know, opportunities. Well, he gets another chance now, and it's a big one uh, because if things can work out a little bit, he's probably going to be the right tackle for the foreseeable future, at least this year. Uh, how did Brandon look yesterday?
1: Yeah, you know, Brandon had a couple good games last year when he was filling in for uh, Miller at left tackle and then when he went to right tackle that's when he started struggling again Uh, so I I think the hope is that if he has some time to really just focus on right tackle maybe he could bring some of that ability that he showed on the left side over to the right Uh, but he he had a poor game against Cleo Mack and you you know it's hard to judge him because Cleo Mack is uh, one of the best defensive ends in in the NFL and you know he, he you know even though he's not healthy he's playing at a really high level this year um so it, it, it's a tough test you know him being thrown in a fire but again he, he he like leatherwood he was below average as well so and he has von miller coming up so hopefully after these two really tough tests he can kind of settle in and we could see some um,
0: improvement by him speaking of the offensive line is the reason for hope
1: um i, I think if you're looking for hope it's just that you have a really young center Andre James who doesn't have much experience and you're hoping with more experience he gets better but it's been pretty bleak uh blast. And the last for the for the first five weeks of the season um Leatherwood just moved position so like we just talked about it's going to take some time for him to get used to that position and we'll see what happens with Um, that communication between the right guard and the right tackle, they could build some chemistry there. And, and Parker, you know, he's he's being thrown in the fire right now. Khalil Mack last week and then Von Miller next week. Uh, so we'll see how he's performed with some lesser competition. Um, if Incognito come back, um, that gives the Raiders a really solid left side with Miller and, uh, Incognito on that side. So, um, I think if you're looking for hope there, we've seen offensive lines get better as seasons come along. There's been examples of that in the NFL. It's a position that, um, you know, where the position coach really matters. And uh, if you believe in Tom Cable and um, Gruden certainly believes in Tom Cable, then you, you, you you, you hope that with better coaching and more experience, you slowly start to see this line kind of develop as the season goes along.
0: All right, Ted, you know as well as I do, sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeves. This is it. This is what you have right now to work with, period. The Raiders aren't going to make any trades, I don't think, and I don't think there's any answers out on the open market. This is the group that they're going to have, at least until Richie Incognito, if he does come back uh, at some point. All right, so this is the group. They got to roll up their sleeves. They got to get after it. They got to play with this unit. As a coaching staff And as a quarterback in Derek Carr, what can the Raiders do to at least mitigate some of the issues up front, and either coach around it, scheme around it, and just do a better job around it? And in spite of it,
1: yeah, I I think you got to, you know, I know they want to establish the run game, but I think you got to cut down on some of the early down runs, and and just roll with your strength and, and pass the ball and run the ball when you have a light box. Don't try to run it into. Uh, loaded boxes because you're just not good enough and you put yourselves in second and third and long situations. Uh, pass rushers could pin their ears back and, and just rush. Um, I think, you know, more screen plays where, you know, you could slow down those defensive ends a little if you hit on a couple screens will help. Um, maybe more, more hard counts and, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I just think qu- some quicker, uh, some quick passes could help them out too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right now, it's just you, you don't want to get yourselves in too many third and long situations with this type of offensive line.
0: Ted, why hasn't Kenyon Drake uh, taken off yet?
1: Well, Kenyon Drake, he, he's never been a really strong inside runner. So, when you're asking him to do those things too much, it's, um, he, he's just, it's just not his strength. And, uh, you know, I think the, the Raiders kind of realized that after uh, a couple of weeks, and they really haven't asked him to run inside much. Um, but, you know, they could use him more a, a, as a slot receiver or as a, a satellite type of running back like they said they were going to. Um, but I, I think just his weakness as an inside runner makes it uh, too obvious of a tell when he's on the field. But I, I do believe that they should use him more because he is a weapon in space.
0: We're talking to Ted Wynn, our good friend uh, over at The Athletic. I always tell you guys, uh, by The Athletic, if for nothing else, I mean, there's a lot of great things that are going on over there, but Ted Wynn's uh, film analysis, it's just a really understandable digestible way to learn about football. Uh, he does a tremendous job in breaking it all down uh, in ways that even like an idiot like I can uh, understand. So, uh, And you can follow him again at FB underscore film analysis. Ted, we talked a lot in the offseason about um, the addition of Gus Bradley, uh, his staff, uh, some of the new players that the Raiders brought in. By and large, I think the Raiders defense has played um, as well as can be expected, if not a little bit more than that. Um, I don't think that there's anything that this defense should be ashamed of it hasn't been perfect but no defense is perfect Uh, just look around the NFL Uh, but five weeks into this um, where do you think the Raiders defense stands and have you been impressed uh, by how this unit has played uh, as quickly as they've come together.
5: Yeah,
1: I have been impressed, and I think they have played above uh, the level that was expected of them, especially the secondary with Casey Hayward really solidifying that secondary, and then Trayvon Mullen stepping up. Uh, You know, I I think Abrams Abrams still has some mental lapses here and there, but he's just playing better in the box and making some game-changing tackles there. And um, Morig has been a good eraser in the middle field. He's not, um, you know, he's not making – you don't see him flashing just because he's not on the screen but he when runs have broken out i, I thought he's he's gotten better and making some solid tackles in secondary uh but i i think they the the real surprise is how good they are at rushing the rushing the passer and you know against the bears they didn't really put justin fields in a situations uh where he had to drop back and take 5 7 step drops and um unfortunately that's that's what the way this defense is built right now they're really good against the pass Uh, but they struggle against the run, and they need their offense to build leads, to pressure teams, and to uh, passing a little bit more, and that's not what happened in Chicago you know, against the Bears.
0: Yeah, um, I, I agree, and uh, it just isn't happening for the Raiders right now. Collectively, I really do think that it, a, a lot of it starts along that offensive line, and as Ted uh, explained, you know what, there's some reason for hope. Uh, let's see if that hope turns into reality uh, anytime soon, but the Raiders definitely need their offensive line uh, to play much better. Ted, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Really appreciate it. Love your work. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you down the road.
1: No problem. They
0: for me on. You got it. That was Ted Wynn of The Athletic. Follow him at FB underscore uh, film analysis. And um, we are going to take a break right now. You're in the huddle with any Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Baja. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. Interact with the show, text Vinny at 69187, or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Our thanks to Ted Wynn uh, from The Athletic breaking it down on the offensive line. It's a trouble spot. Uh, there's no question about it. There's no skirt in the issue. Everyone sees it. You see it. I see it. John Gruden sees it. The offensive line sees it. (laughs) Obviously, Josh Jacobs uh, sees it, and, uh, you know, he did his best to be um, diplomatic, if that's the word phrase that we're looking for. You don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but, you know, he flat out said yesterday when we talked to him after the game, like, I'll be watching film, and it's like, where do you, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Where do you want me to run? There's no place to run right now. Um, and that's because of the offensive line, Josh Jacobs, hasn't forgotten how to run the ball. I go back to tw- – it was, it was so funny um, covering the Rams in 2016. Uh, Todd Gurley's coming off this fabulous rookie year, right? Um, but if you look at his rookie year, it was like the first four or five games that he just went off. And then eventually – the rest of the league decided that's who we got to stop because everything else is bad on this Rams offense. So from that point on, they kind of just stopped him. And it, the, the <laughs> Jeff uh, Fisher and his whole group, they didn't make any changes really uh, going into the next season, the first season in Los Angeles. So Todd Gurley has this terrible year, uh, his sophomore year, and everyone's like, Todd Gurley was a one-year wonder. Todd Gurley is no good. And I'm like, no, Todd Gurley has a terrible offensive line right now. And I don't care who you are, Walter Payton, Eric Dickerson, um, Ezekiel Elliott, name the best running backs that you've ever seen. And even those running backs are going to have a hard time running behind a hapless offensive line. So I look at Josh Jacobs right now, who has, you know, just zero running room uh, short of a play here or a play in there. Don't put it on Josh Jacobs. It's not Josh Jacobs' fault. This is an offensive line issue, and that's why the Raiders are struggling on short yardage situations, the ability to, to, to get that yard to get a fresh set of downs on a third down or on a fourth down. Those are killers. And unless you can, you know, not being able to establish a physical, commanding physical state of mind that makes the other team honor that physicality and honor that run game and honor the fact that we better put our big boy hats on right now because they're going to come after us physically and they're going to beat us up or at least try to beat us up. And we better bring it ourselves and we better honor that. Right now, unfortunately – Aside from maybe Colton Miller and some spots here or, or, or there, uh, there's none of that on the offensive line. In fact, it's the opposite. The offensive line is getting manhandled, manhandled. That physical tone that you want to be set, that you want to set, it's getting set in reverse. It's the defensive line that's setting a physical tone against the Raiders' offensive line, and that's never a good thing. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Tim is on the line. How are you doing, Tim?
5: Not good, Vinny. Not good, obviously. Keep your head up, buddy. I I don't know where to start, but I just kind of think it's crazy how we're, to me, we're not taking it as seriously as we should. And let's let's really think about it here. In terms of? In, in terms of the way these last two games went. Because, I mean, from week one mm-hmm. to week five, yeah. can you say the team has gotten better? No. I, no. It, they are trending downwards. So, I, I don't see how we can say sit here and say, like, no, I mean, this team just got to play a little bit longer. The offensive line needs to get it together. Look it. When when you hear fans complain about this is the same old Raiders, and I know, you know, that upsets you because it's a different team, and I get all that. But here's the thing. We've seen this time and time again. And when you hear the term the same old Raiders, this is what it means, and I'll explain it to you. It means this is a team that can beat anybody but lose to anybody. It is a team that can't win consistently. It is a team that, for some odd reason, there is off-the-field drama every year. It's every single year, and I can name from the past five years. And it affects, and you can say what you want, it definitely affects the game. But regardless of the off-the-field off stuff, right? this is why fans get concerned, Vinny. I, just, I, just, I, I feel like this is turned to light. Yeah, we can talk about we lost good. We, I mean, we were relying on Richie Incognito. But that's on the organization's spot for lying on a thirty eight year old. But regardless, okay, this team is looking worse and worse. That Ravens win was the most impressive win, but now there's film on us. We're not able to run. We're not the offensive line is it's hot garbage. And I mean, this team's not gonna play the run. They are just gonna play the pass and just zoom right on in. The the Broncos played the same scheme as the Chargers and the and the bears with a little bit of a variation you're going to see the same thing next week now listen i'm not saying it's totally lost it's not it's it's not but there's no way in heck that that's going to be the same line that's going to change it my only thing that could possibly turn this thing around this is it this is all you could do you get richie incognito okay i think luminor is a better guard than leatherwood you got to flip on what you're going to do with with the right tackle spot. Either stick with Leatherwood or go back to um, uh, Parker. I mean, I'll leave that up to to Tom Cable. The other thing is is I think you got to put Nick Martin in, man. I, I don't care what people are saying to give to give uh, James that chance. You got to put in Nick Martin. You got to. We we are in a good spot right now at, at three and two. Don't make it three and three, or we are screwed, Vinny. We are going to be screwed. I'm telling you, it's going to get bad. You lose one more time, this team will be defeated. And here's my other concern. Carr is getting beat up back there and I love Carr and he's going to, he does well, but you can only take hits like that for so long and not affect you mentally. I don't care how good you are. If you keep taking hits, we're like the fifth or fourth most sacked, you know, team. It's going to affect Carr. It's going to affect his play and he's going to get PTSD out there.
0: Well, uh, g- uh, great points, and I totally agree with you. By the way, Illuminor played right tackle uh, for the New England Patriots. Uh, I believe it was last year. Um, so, you know, he's got some experience at, at right tackle as well. I'm looking at his uh, grades uh, doing it. He he graded out as um, 68. You know, a 60. He got a 68 grade last year with the New England Patriots at right tackle. Uh, run blocking was 63.4, pass blocking was 70.3. I I don't know. Like if Brandon Parker can't hold it down, um, maybe that's the direction you go and keep Alex Leatherwood at right at right guard. Maybe that's the better combination. We'll see. Uh, but I, I I I happen to think that Alex Leatherwood is a better option right now at right guard than Illuminor is. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed maybe to kicking Illuminor out to right tackle, which he has some experience uh, in, and. We'll see, uh, but they got to find that right combination, and, and John Gruden made it very clear that Alex Leatherwood is, is among the five best uh, pieces that they have to try to fix that combination. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln. Kennedy, or Link, Lincoln's not going to be here till tomorrow. i got a lot to talk about with him. That's for dar- darn sure. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Monday.